everything was building to a, a bad ending. He'd been stalking me. Maybe he'd seen me earlier in the day, I'm not sure. And when he took his life, my life started to spin out of control. The pain and the anger and the self-destruction defined me. And then he said, I forgive you. And that is still one of the greatest memories uh, of my entire life. On June 9th of 1997, it was a Monday, um, between 4 and 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Got off early that day, and I used to love going down to the, the bluffs over the Mississippi River. Decided to sunbathe, laying on a towel, and you know when you've had your eyes closed and it's a really sunny day and you first open them, it takes your eyes a while to adjust. All I could see in front of me as my eyes slowly adjusted was the figure of a man, uh, his shadow over the top of me. He'd been stalking me. Um, he had a mask on. That was the only thing that, that he was wearing. I mean, the next thing I knew, he was on top of me. And I screamed, and he wasn't expecting that. He tried to run, and I'm not sure why to this day, but I decided to chase him. I turned into that girl that runs up the stairs instead of out the front door in those movies where you're like, go out the front door. That's when I realized I could die. I turned and ran, and I went in the opposite direction. I like to say that I survived that day but that day was the beginning of a slow, long death. I think that I, I wanted to be living, but I knew that I wasn't. It was kind of this thing that my family didn't talk about. You know, six months later, I was called in for a lineup, and I mean, it was something that didn't necessarily go away right away, but it wasn't discussed. And uh, because of my lack of support system and family, um, I was left to fend for myself. And I had a lot of anger and bitterness, um, and I was suicidal. And as the drinking got worse to cope or the drugs got worse, the more desperately I wanted to be free of all of that. And I got to the point where I realized I didn't want to die. I just didn't want to hurt anymore. I was ready to be free, and I made a decision to forgive. Not just forgiving him, but forgiving my parents, and even better, forgiving myself for a lot of things. And when I chose to let go, of that pain and that bitterness and that anger and that frustration. I got something far greater in return. You can't buy, you can't box. Um, freedom. God restores. 
and he redeems and in a very tangible way blotted out that day with something so much greater. Last year, on June 10th, I gave birth to my twin boys, Bennett and Avery, on a Monday as well, between four and five in the afternoon. So it was almost exactly 17 years later. I don't think the timing was an accident. That date and that day and that hour, they used to own me. Not anymore. Something else owns me now. Two little people. And I love it. But I also love what God has created. Something so beautiful out of something so ugly. It just blows me away on a daily basis. I love it. Amen. Thanks, Sarah. I love that. Let's show our appreciation to Sarah for being vulnerable. That's so good. I, I love what she said. You can't buy, you can't box freedom. And when you give forgiveness, when you ask God to give you that ability to forgive, man, that freedom just takes place. And uh, I can just tell you all the testimonies. I have loved all of them throughout this whole series and uh, just so appreciate people saying, I want to take my hurt, my pain, and use it for God's glory. I've, I've worked through this. I am working through this. And uh, I want to help others in that. So thank you to all those that shared and were vulnerable. And how many know this series has, has really hit home? As I've traveled around, as I'm out in the community and I'm eating and people come up to me and you know, I'm at a restaurant, they're like, hey, this series is really, really good. And then I go, great. And then they're like, I mean, the other ones are good too, but this one is really good. And I don't know what they mean. They're saying this one's really hitting home because we all need forgiveness. We all realize that. We all need forgiveness. We all desire to be forgiven. That's just one hand. It's like, I, I need it. I desire it. And then I know what they mean as well. Like, God is working on me because I need to give forgiveness, and I might not be that excited about giving it, but I need to realize that I need to do it. And instead of being so happy to receive it and so close to giving it, I think God in this series is saying, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's be willing to receive it, and let's be willing to give it. And so I love what God is doing in this series. And uh, I've realized this, that as I've lived my life and as I've studied in this series, that uh, the phrase, uh, I deserve forgiveness, it, does, it doesn't make sense. It's like an oxymoron to say, uh, it's deserved forgiveness, okay? Forgiveness is a gift. Forgiveness is a gift. We don't deserve it, and it's a beautiful thing when it's given and when we receive it. And so I just love what God is doing in us and uh, want to continue to build on that. Of course, last week, uh, we talked about forgiving ourselves. And we looked at the mosaic behind me. And uh, I want to, again, have the tech team pull out, take that into view of the mosaic, of uh, the face of Jesus. And each of those uh, cards that is on that picture, each of those cards is representative of somebody that said, I want to forgive somebody. I want to forgive somebody. I want to write their name down. Even some wrote the story. Others attached things to it and said, I forgive this person. And we talked about last week that the top four thing, all these were uh, received from all of our campuses, over 2,000 of them. And they said the top four things were forgiving mom, forgiving dad, forgiving my family, and forgiving myself. 
And so we talked about that fourth one. We talked about forgiving ourselves last week. And uh, I think it kind of drove the point home that, you know, hey, when God's forgiven you, you need to realize you're forgiven and stop reminding him about it. He's got you. You're good. You don't have to keep asking. It's all good. And uh, we dealt with that. And now today we're going to deal with those first three. And let's call it this, those closest to us. We're going to talk about forgiving those people that are closest to us. And it's, it's interesting because it's the people that are closest to us. How many know this? It's the ones that are closest to you that can hurt you the most. And the ones that are close, the people that are far away from you that you've never met, they don't affect you at all. I mean, I think about it, just illustrating this, uh, the country of Peru. I've never been to Peru. I've got nothing against Peru. Uh, you know, I don't know anybody. I mean, I don't know the people there. I have no rivalries with Peru. We're all good. They're so far away, I don't know. But how many know Canada, we got issues? <laughs> I'm still bitter about hockey and curling from the Olympics. And we got, because they're our neighbor, right? How many know there's a, and I'm not bitter about curling. That was totally a joke. Just bitter about hockey, all right? <laughs> but how many know when people are close to you, you know, you, 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 you notice what they're doing. They're close enough to hurt you. They're close enough to rub you the wrong way. And those people that are distant, they are way out there and we don't have to worry about them. So these are the people that are close to us that hurt us. And it seems like so many of the things were up there. Let's expand it. It was mom, dad, family, but it was also neighbors, friends. And it was a lot of people that were close to you that really hurt you. That's what we want to deal with. I've had to forgive people that are close to me. I know I've shared it before about forgiving my old neighbors in a subdivision we lived in. And some of you are like, that must be a hurt. No, it's a good illustration. And it just drives home the fact that I had to forgive them. I wanted to split a one-acre piece of land that we owned into two half-acre lots, and I needed a variance, so I needed my neighbors to say yes. And they showed up at the city council, like all my neighbors, and they were all opposed to me. And they're like, we're not letting you do this. We're not giving you the variance. And I was so angry with them. I can remember thinking of so many devious things to do. I mean, I was a youth pastor. I thought, I'm going to sick the youth group on you. You know, I was like, all these thoughts were there. And I was like, God, get them. And he's like, no, no, that's not the way we're going to operate. You need to forgive them. There's a bigger plan here. And I was like, oh, and I had to forgive them. And we drove through that neighborhood not that long ago. And it didn't bother me. I was like, I love these people. Blessings on them. Whatever you want, Lord, take care of them. It's people that are closest to you. With my family, I have had some knockdown dragomouts with my family. I remember one time in church, I was getting ready to do communion and serve communion. And God said, you can't take communion today. You are too bitter at your family. And he's like, you have to go and reconcile with them. You cannot partake of communion. You are bitter with them and you know you need to do this. You need to take care of that. And before you ever take communion again, go solve this with your family. And so I'm up here administering communion to the church and I'm saying, I am not going to be taking communion. I will administer it, but I have to go and, and ask forgiveness and, and get this solved with my family, the people closest, hurting. My friends, I've had some doozies with friends and bosses. I've worked for some pastors and had some issues and some things, and I don't even want to tell you what they were, but I can tell you, yes, even working in a church, I had some pastors that I had to forgive and ask for forgiveness and had some issues that lasted for years. I'm just telling you, it's the closest people to you, the ones that are right there next to you that you have to learn to forgive. That's why we're going to deal with that today, because here's the deal. They're close enough to us that we care about them, but they're close enough to us that we collide with them. Does that make sense? They're close enough that we care and they're in our life, but they're the ones that we collide with the most because they're so close to us. 
That's why you hear that saying where they say that most accidents happen within 25 miles of your home. How many know you've heard that most car accidents happen within 25 miles? And eSurance had an article about this. And it makes sense because it's the frequency of travel. You're within 25 miles of your home on all the trips because you're starting there and going out and coming back. So it's a coming and going. And it's a, a, just a closeness that's there, but it's also a familiarity. You get familiar with that corner, with that turn. You get familiar with that street, with that speed limit. You get familiar with those things, and so your guard goes down. And some of us with our family, some of us with our friends, some of us with our neighbors, we're, we're close, and they're so close, and all of a sudden we get familiar, and we start piling up offenses, and we have these issues that are there. Man, you've got to realize just because they're close, uh, don't, don't harbor bitterness. They're close and they're going to collide with you. They may be the only person, but you're going to collide with them. That's just the way life works. I'll never forget when Connor called me and he said, hey, dad, I, I, I got into a car accident and Connor's our oldest son. And, you know, how many know when your kids get a driver's license, you're like, oh, Lord, prayer and fasting. How many know that, right? You know? And so we're praying, and I said, well, how bad is it? And he says, well, I'm in this parking lot. And I thought, okay, it can't be that bad. It's a parking lot, right? You know, so the speed's lower. And he said, and this other guy and I, we ran into each other. And uh, so you need to come and, and take care of this. And so we get there. It's, it's only Connor and this other car in this giant park. I'm like, were you the only two here? <laughs> yes. I, I said, there were no other cars or pedestrians or children on bicycles you had to swerve to miss. No, just the two of us. <laughs> okay, how did it happen? He goes, well, I thought he was going to stop. He didn't think I'd go, and I went, and he didn't stop. And, and we were close enough to collide, and I just thought, isn't that just like life? I mean, there's no one else to collide with, but you are going to collide with your family member you're close enough to collide with. That's just the way life is. And so we've got to forgive those people. We've got to learn that they're close enough to care, close enough to collide with, and we've got to be good forgivers. I'll never forget. I know you can relate to this because I've counseled so many people in the church. And I've talked to so many people. They're like, I have to forgive. I have to forgive. And it's usually deep hurt with people that are very close to you. I remember one day this guy came up to me and he said, I'm so glad that I gave my life to Jesus at this church. He said, a friend invited me and you said that I could be forgiven and I grabbed hold of God's forgiveness and it was so good. And he goes, I'm so glad that that happened because I was a bitter, angry person. I said, oh, we're so glad you were forgiven. He said, I hated my ex-wife. And he said, and I hated her the passion. I wanted to destroy her. And I said, you know, yeah, those things can get ugly. We're glad you're forgiven. And he goes, no, I really wanted to destroy her. And I was like, now we're really glad you're forgiven, you know? And he said, I know God changed me because he convicted me and said, you were a jerk in the divorce. And in the divorce, you fought for things that weren't yours. He goes, box them up and bring them back to her. They belong to her. And so he boxed them up and brought them to the doorstep. She thought, what is going on? And he said, hey, I've given my life to Jesus. This stuff is yours. I fought you. I wanted this just to hurt you. This stuff is really yours. Take it. I'm sorry. And I'm sure she's thinking, am I getting punked here? How many of you, forgiveness is so good, you might think you're getting punked. Man, forgiveness is amazing. So I know, I know that you have situations. I know that you have stories. And I wouldn't embarrass you. But it's very, very real and so if I could title this message, I would call it Forgiving the Close Ones. Forgiving the Close Ones. 
And I think this, as we look at God's word today, I wanna read some scriptures. I can feel a bonus sermon coming on right now. I can just feel it, but I won't do it today. We'll do it up ahead, maybe partway through the year, we'll do forgiveness round two or amnesty round two uh, because I just feel this so strong. It's something that's driving home and I don't think we've covered it enough. So let's look at God's word. These scriptures will be on the screen. They'll be there for you to read along. And uh, we'll just look at some of these scriptures on forgiveness that we've been looking at in this whole series. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, it says, And forgive us our debts. This is in the Lord's Prayer. Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. And he says, And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. He's saying, God, forgive us. And as you forgive us, we will forgive those other people. God, let's make sure we're doing it up and we're doing it out. This is something we should live by. In Luke 17, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, so watch yourselves. If, you, if your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. So Jesus is saying this. Then the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Isn't that amazing? He didn't say, here's how you cast out demons. And they're like, give us more faith. He's like, here's how you forgive your brother. I need more faith for that one. I need more faith. Lord, we need more. If we've got to do this, if we've got to forgive enemies because they lived an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, they knew those were the rules. And now Jesus is saying, God wants you to forgive people. They're like, we need more of God. And that's correct. We need more of God if we're going to be forgivers. Matthew 18, similar story. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked him, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Matter of fact, some say 70 times seven. And the whole point is it's unlimited. It's unlimited. It's as much as they need, as much as they ask. It's unlimited. Don't keep score. You can't hit the number. It's an amazing thing about forgiveness. Ephesians chapter four, the apostle Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus and he says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ, God forgave you. He's like, you gotta forgive each other just as Christ in God, he forgave you. You need to forgive each other. It must've been something that all the church had to deal with because then in Colossians chapter three, he's writing to another church. He repeats the same thing in verse 12. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Paul's telling these people how to live as Christians, and he's given them all these things that are man to man. He's saying, hey, here's how you're gonna have to live. You're gonna have to put on kindness, gentleness. You have to do these. If you're gonna do this, you gotta have lots of love and you've got to forgive one another. He doesn't say forgive another. He says, forgive one another. What does he mean by that? He's saying this forgiveness is going like this all the time. They may need it today. You will probably need it tomorrow. How many know that? It's just the way life works. You, you're not the one that never offends anyone. And he's saying, forgive each other. Let's do this. Let's go from me to you, us to them, them to us, back and forth. All of this, we're all in this together. Let's be people that forgive one another. 
Now, we're in a large church. And I'll tell you, large families, large churches give you great opportunity to forgive lots of people. How many know that? Gives you great opportunity to forgive lots of people. Now, there's great benefits of being a part of a large family or a large church, and there's great opportunities, but there's also great um, ability to be hurt. There's a great ability to be hurt. There's just a lot of people here, and there's, you could be hurt in so many ways. And even when we added our last campus at Egan, we just added a new campus, and uh, they said we'd be better together, and so they joined us, became our sixth campus in Minnesota. I said, we've got to give each other lots of forgiveness. You're joining a large church. There's going to be a lot of things that are being done that we may not understand. There's going to be things with multi-site, and we multiply the problems, but we multiply our effectiveness, and we've got to give lots of grace, lots of mercy, lots of forgiveness so this thing can work. That's the way it is. The bigger it is, the more you've got to give. So we do this. We give out forgiveness, and some of you say, well, I don't think I can do it. I don't think I can do it. In your own strength, I don't think you can. I don't think you can. I don't think we're good enough in our own strength. In our own strength, we like to keep score. In our own strength, we like to retaliate. In our own strength, we like to just say, we're going to get back. We want to do those things. But here's what happens. God gives you the strength to be a forgiver. That's what happens. God gives you the strength to be a forgiver, and it's an amazing thing. In his strength, that's why the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's why the disciples said, give us the faith to do this. Give us the ability to do this, because in and of ourselves, we can't do that. And that's what causes Christianity to stand out. That's why it's so amazing, because Christianity says, I'll forgive those people that have hurt me. I'm not going to keep escalating the hurt. It's an amazing thing. You might be thinking, but they did a lot. It was really bad. It was really, really bad. Okay, I understand that. I understand that people do bad things, horrible bad things. And I want to tell you this. Even if they've done something that is illegal, a felony or something, they, they may have to face the consequences for that in the legal system. There's nothing wrong with that. But you need to be a forgiver of them. You need to be a forgiver. People say, well, it's really bad. I can tell you this, no matter what you did, no matter what they did to you, you've done worse. You've done worse. So you're like, how did I do worse? Let me illustrate this. I've got some people that are gonna help me out with a ladder and they're gonna bring it on out here. I just need this for my illustration here. Uh, I wanna just illustrate how much this passage means when Paul says, just as God forgave you, you need to forgive one another. Now, I want to just point this out here. I've got my ladder, and uh, thanks, guys, for bringing it out for me. I want to just illustrate this. As, as God has forgiven you, I just want you to envision this. If God was at the top of the ladder, if God was way up there on the step that says, do not step on it, but all guys do. How many know that step exists? <laughs> if God was way up there, He's saying, I've stepped from way up there and I've stepped down to forgive you. Your offense against me is called sin. Your offense is sin. You have grieved God. You have done so evil against him. And he's like, I came down from the highest of heavens and I came down to forgive you. He says, if I can do that, you can forgive people of what they've done against you because compared to what we've done against God, our, our stand that we come down off of is a speck of dust. Think about it. God's like, you, you, you sinned, you did evil, you've had evil thoughts, you've done all this against me and you asked for forgiveness. You were my enemies and I forgave you before you even were thinking about it. I prepared the way for you to be forgiven. And God's like, I gave you grace. 
And he's like, I stepped down from there to give you forgiveness. Your distance between you and your friend is a speck of dust. Between you and your brother is a speck of dust. I'll illustrate. I mean, think I've been there when families have fought at a, at a funeral, at a funeral, and they're fighting because they're racing to grandma's house to grab that Afghan because that belongs to them. And they get done with that and they grab the Afghan and the other person's mad and they're peeling out and they're, I hate them. And they never talk to each other. Like just crochet another one, okay? That is a speck of dust. That is a speck. I've watched people get angry over their neighbor. They hate their neighbor. They're like, their dog pooped in my yard. I hate them. That is a speck of dust. In three months, it dries up. It's gone. And you're like, I hate them. I never want to talk to them again. I want to I drive my car through their lawn. I, you just, all these thoughts are going on. People hate each other. You're like, but he did this to me. They ripped down my reputation. I lost $10,000. I lost this. They did that. It was wrong. It's a speck of dust compared to what we did from God. And if he can come down from there, you can come down off your speck of dust. Man, it's amazing. He said, as God forgave you, you should forgive them. I mean, our offenses were sending us to hell, and most of what people do against us isn't even a misdemeanor. We're like, I'm not forgiving them. Never, ever, ever. Don't live that way. Don't live that way. That's why the parable of the talents, when Pastor Darren preached that week about forgiveness, the parable of the talents, the 10,000 bags of gold to be forgiven, and the guy that had 100 talents or 100 coins that needed to be forgiven... The point was, this guy had a debt he could never pay back, and yet the king forgave him. This guy had a debt that could be forgiven. The person could give you the Afghan. The person could get a pooper scooper. The person could do that, okay? This could be fixed. This could never be fixed. And God's like, I forgave you of what could never be fixed if I didn't give you grace and forgiveness. Please forgive the people that just have these small offenses against you. Puts it in perspective. Man, it's an amazing thing. My advice, if you are harboring bitterness and unforgiveness, is this advice. Let it go, let it go. That's it. Man, revenge is small, forgiveness is great. Revenge is small, forgiveness is great. Be great. Speaking of revenge, a lot of us try to forgive with revenge in mind. Okay, here's how it happens. You hear a message about forgiveness and you hear, I gotta forgive those people close to me and those people that have hurt me. And you're thinking, there is no way, no way. And here's what usually goes through people's mind when you find out the Bible tells you you're supposed to be a forgiver. You think, wait a minute. God, if I forgive them, no one will remind you of all the bad things they did. And you become like a prosecuting attorney and you're like, God, I want you to be sure you know what they did against me. And I can't forgive them because if I do that, no one will be pleading the case and complaining before you that they violated me and did these things and all these bad things. It's almost like you hear this and you hear like, you got to forgive and you're feeling like, seriously, I feel like I'm a victim all over again. I'm a victim all over again because I have to forgive them. You got to be kidding me. But then something happens. You're like, forgiveness, and God will take care of me. You're like, wait a minute, what? And you realize Romans 12, 19 talks about vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And you're like, oh, wait, so you're going to go after them? You're not going to let them off the hook? And here's what happens. You're like, I forgive them. Get them, God. How many know that? <laughs> and you didn't really forgive them. You just hired a hitman. That's what you're thinking, right? 
Get them, God. Do something good. Plague them or something. You know, that's what you're thinking, right? And that's wrong too. You haven't forgiven them. You're moving closer, but you haven't forgiven them. Then you get to the point where you're like, okay, forgive them. Just out of my life, however you want to deal with it, God, just they're yours. I forgive them. Good. Just keep them away from me. All right, you're getting better, but you're still not where God wants you. God wants you, according to Matthew 5, to pray for your enemies and to bless them. You're supposed to get to a level where in forgiveness, you forgive the person. You're like, God, I won't hold it against them anymore. I'm gonna be generous. I'm gonna give them, I'm gonna get off my speck of dust. Again, maybe it was horrible and maybe they had to go to jail and we're, uh, there can be just restoration and people can reform by paying for those crimes against society. We understand that. But you say, God, I forgive that person. I forgive them and I'm letting it go. Matter of fact, God, I pray blessing on them. I pray blessing on them because from this speck of dust, I know what I needed and I pray blessing on them. It's hard. It is only God can give you the strength to do that. But you have to do that. You have to give that unforgiveness or both of you will be held prisoner. You'll both be held captive. You gotta give second chances as a follower of Jesus Christ or you can't move forward. Both of our kids have gotten accidents and you know, so I'll represent Logan's accident now too, so we're fair. <laughs> and we don't talk about their accidents other than when I need a sermon illustration, so. But Logan got in his first car accident, and I'm saying this to illustrate how I didn't want to be a prisoner. Um, he got in his first car accident, and you know, he came home, he had smashed his car, and he was crying. I said, you know, you could have died, and he's like, I know, I, I'm sorry, I, I, please forgive me. I said, I forgive you. I forgive you, drive safe, we love you. you know, now fix your car, you're gonna have to fix it. And he went out to the junkyard and he has a blue hood on a white car and you know, but he fixed it. Now here's the thing, I had to give him a second chance as a parent to drive again, catch this, I had to give him a second chance to drive again because I didn't wanna be a prisoner to his schedule, okay? If I don't give him a second chance, I'm like, no, one accident, dad's gonna drive you everywhere. How many know I'm a bigger prisoner than he is? He gets a chauffeur out of the deal, I lose my schedule, okay? I lose my freedom, okay? So I'm saying we gotta give second chances. We gotta give second chances to people. And if you don't, you are a prisoner to that. You're gonna drag them everywhere. You're gonna be in worship and God's gonna wanna talk to you and you're dragging them around. You're gonna wanna uh, be happy in your family and something's just gonna be said and it's gonna just rub you the wrong way and you're gonna be prisoner to them and you're gonna bring them into your family and God's like, let it go. Let it go, don't be a prisoner. Give them the second chance and let them go. Last thing I'll say about this. Um, I think we should thank God for the people in our lives that we get to forgive. That we get to forgive. You're like, I don't like that thought. Yeah, you do. You know why? Because when you get to forgive someone, you're most like Jesus. Okay, God has so much for us and he wants you to be more like Jesus. And so when you have somebody that has offended you or hurt you or violated you and you're able to forgive them, you are like Jesus and you go to another level. I can remember one day I had somebody that I needed to forgive and I thought that I handled it really well and I kind of trapped them a little bit and God's like, really good job there. You were like a lawyer today. And I was like, I know I'm working on my speaking skills. Thank you, Lord, that's good. He's like, how would you like to be like me instead? And I was like, this is gonna hurt, all right. 
And he said, I don't need you to be a leader like that. I need you to be a leader like me. And a leader like me would offer forgiveness and pray for blessing on them, even though they hurt you. And I was like, wow, all right, all right. I wanna be more like you, Jesus. And I thank God for the people in my life that pull me up, that are further along in Christ, and I follow them as they follow Christ. I love those people, but I thank God for the people in my life that rub me the wrong way, that chip off the rough edges, that irritate me. I know that seems weird, but I thank God for the people that irritate me and hurt me because in giving forgiveness, I become more like Jesus. And guess what? A little more Rob falls off and a little more Jesus shows up. And so thank God for the people that you get to forgive. Thank God for that. Say, God, thank you for the opportunity to look more like you because you forgive the worst people. You came from way high to forgive us. God, I can get off my speck of dust and forgive others. So God, I pray right now that you'd help us to be forgivers. To be forgivers, to realize that it is a great opportunity to forgive people. Right now, I'm sure there are people that have popped into our mind that we need to forgive, and I pray, God, that we would forgive them. It's an opportunity to forgive them and be like you, and so, God, help us to forgive them. We thank you, God, that the worst of the worst can be forgiven by you. You stepped down from heaven, sent your son to pay the price so the worst of the worst could be forgiven, and, God, we thank you for that. If you can come from heaven to earth, we can get off our speck of dust and give forgiveness. So thank you for that. Help us to forgive the people that come to mind that have hurt us, that are so close. I pray that moms and dads would be reconciled. I pray that fathers and sons would be reconciled. I pray that mothers and children would be reconciled. I pray that neighbors and bosses and friends and former pastors and other people that are there that we've had offense against, we could forgive and forgive and forgive. We've been forgiven of so much, God. Help us to be people that are forgivers. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.